I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're out? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're out? Jason Janik's photos may be the most seen photos in DFW and it's been that way for a while. This week, we sit down and get to know more about one of DFW's most prolific and published photographer. You may not even realize how many of Jason Janik's photos you're looking at. He's shot for the Dallas Morning News for years. He also shoots more clients than I can list here, but the highlights are Spin, Rolling Stone, New York Times, and many local publications as well. We talk about Jason's love for shooting live music, his side hustles, quote unquote, and his new podcast, NTXMF, which also airs right here on Deep Elm Radio. It's a good one. So enjoy my chat with Jason Janik. We're here with Jason Janik, photographer uh, extraordinary everywhere. I, you know, okay, my perception of you is that you might be the most vis- viewed photographer in town because you're doing stuff every day at uh, Morning News, sometimes at D Magazine. I mean, it just seems like there's always a photo of yours coming out somewhere. Yeah, we could, we could discuss that uh, for sure because, I mean, it boils down to content is king. Yeah. And the more content you have, the more eyes are seeing it. That's for sure. Uh, but I'm glad to be here in this uh, creaky chair. I don't know. I <laughs> don't know if you can pick that up. <laughs> no, I just hope it doesn't break because those are definitely uh, hand-me-downs. But uh, um, I like yeah. I like the new place. I saw you were in Oak Cliff. Uh, no, before. it was it was uh, Junius Heights. Junius Heights. Yeah. I almost said Junius Heights, but then I was like, no, maybe it was Oak Cliff. Yeah, I loved that location, and but you know, it was a duplex, and it really wasn't built as a duplex, so it felt like I was living in an apartment. So this is the first like house that I live in. I, I like dated in high school. I dated uh, a girl in Richardson. I I grew up out in Rockwall. Okay. And um, but I mean, high school. I, I was coming here, you know, as as much as I could uh, every week, and so I got to know Richardson pretty well. And it's it's a pretty cool little spot. Yeah. So no, and then it. you got people who are bringing stuff in, trying trying to make it the I'd say third leg, but I mean you got to include. Denton too, so the the kind of fourth leg in the in the tripod of of coolness, you know, <laughs> right. you, you've got you've got the the Deep Ellum and Lower Greenville area, um, you've got the Bishop Arts, uh, you've got uh, what goes on in Denton, and uh, then you got people like Reed who are you know bringing in their cool little uh, non alcoholic bars and uh-huh. uh, other other things going on here. So yeah. I think Six Springs is here. Yeah. You know, it's cool. So Rockwall, um, you, so Texan, obviously. Um, well, I was born in Wisconsin, but uh, oh. I, I remember having my fourth birthday party like two weeks after we moved here. Okay. Um, so uh, close to Texan. I can't put one of those bumper stickers on my car that says, you <laughs> know, in born Texas. and raised. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But uh, Yeah, me either. But it's cool. I mean, you basically grew up here, though. And so, yeah, like, we're, so what, what did, I mean, I'm assuming you got into music way before photography. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that um, when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, there wasn't digital cameras, there wasn't internet, um, and 
I had a disc camera that my dad gave me, and then uh, eventually he got me um, a Canon SLR. And my my aunt was always super cool. Whenever uh, we'd see her, or she'd come to visit. She had a Polaroid, and she'd you know give me like half a dozen packs of film, and I just I blow right through it. Mm. I always enjoyed photography, but I never I never at that time knew that it was like uh, a career that could be had. Mm. Um, I mean, when I was when I was a kid up through high school, I was known. As the the kid who drew comics um, and made jokes and stuff, and I, I didn't at, at the same time I didn't know that like stand up comedy I didn't know the route to take for that, uh. um, um, but I was kind of the stand up comic of my grade, um, and I knew that that drawing. I knew how to how how that would work. You know, you you draw and then you sell it. So I always assumed I was to become like a, a comic book artist or, or something like that. And that's when I started going to, um, I started out at Richland College uh, here locally. It's called mm -hmm. something else now, but you know, just. Well, Richland's still there, it, I, thought, I think, yeah. Uh, it's still there. I, I just, you know, they, they change it so many times. Huh. Um, I, I can't remember if it's the Richland camp. Oh yeah, I think it's like Dallas College, Richland oh, campus or whatever. that's probably what yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, I go out there and I take some art classes, and um, one of the art classes that I wanted to take was already full, so I wound up taking a photography class. Um, and during the photography class, I kind of excelled. One day, somebody from the school paper came in and was like, hey, we're looking for people. So I went, um, started at the school paper, worked my way up to editor-in-chief. Um, <clears throat> And that's uh, about the time that I realized that, you know, you could actually make a living in photography. And I stopped drawing and um, stopped worrying so much about trying to come up with funny punchlines and stuff uh, and started becoming more of just a tell-my-story visually type of person. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I did some improv comedy, and so it's just... It's, like, such a different thing to take photos and, like... It feels like a lot less pressure to me the way my brain works. It sounds like it's similar where you're just like your focus is you don't have to be thinking about these other things like you're thinking about this moment you're trying to capture, you know, or maybe not even that specific about the thought. I don't know how it works for you. Right? Yeah, um, I, I found, especially with humor, I found it's a muscle just like everything else. And you've got to you got to exercise it and work mm. it. And it's been so long since I've, you know, had to write out um, a comic um so I, yeah, I, I I don't have that ability anymore. Yeah, you know it, it would it would be pretty weak if I tried it today. Oh, I wouldn't um, get up and do improv yeah. right now. <laughs> but it's 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 the same way with uh, with photography. You know, uh, as a freelancer, the ups and downs. You can go from usually about Christmas to February. The work is just so non-existent, mm -hmm. and then work kicks back in, and. and it's like skipping the gym for a month and you're like, oh, this, this is tougher than I remember. Yeah. And then you get back into it and, and you're good to go again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I'm, I guess your first published photos would be in the school paper, but after that, like how, how was your first photo work? How did that look? Well, so I, I, I was at the school paper and uh, Mark Hancock from the Richardson city paper 
he came in one day and asked, um, you know, hey, we've got some extra work that I can't handle everything. Plus, we need somebody who knows, you know, Photoshop and can kind of prep pictures for publication. Um, who do you recommend? And they recommended me. Um, <clears throat> so I, I was working at the school paper. Uh, I also started um, writing reviews and taking photos for Harder Beat magazine, which was a monthly publication that they focused mostly on all the heavy stuff. And it was, it was here in North Texas based. Um, and they, they wanted some to kind of round it out. So uh, they, they knew that I liked, you know, more of the, the pop and the alt country and all the stuff they didn't write about. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started, I started doing stuff for them and then I added the Richardson, uh, paper doing stuff for them. Um, and at the end of uh, 99, the Richardson paper and all the other satellite city papers that were owned by, by Bilo, uh, their Dallas Morning News, they said, you know, hey, let's shut down all these papers and turn um, all this into like sections of our big paper. Hmm. So the, the metro section in Richardson would be kind of Richardson focused, but it wouldn't be its own paper. Right, right. <clears throat> And so everyone who was on staff uh, automatically got into the Dallas Morning News, but I was just some you know college kid who was who was helping um, part time, and I was like, "Well, what's going to happen to me?" And Mark was like, "Well, I'll put in a good word for you. Why don't you come in, um, and we'll see if they can get you on as a freelancer." So I go in and um, meet with an editor. He looks at my stuff and he's like, well, well, you know, this is good. I can see that you got room to grow, but um, I, I like what I see. Uh, my, my book even then was very performance and, and music driven. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I've never been uh, like a breaking news, hardcore, you know, win a Pulitzer by dodging bullets type of guy. Mm -hmm. um, well, you say that, but. <laughs> I, yeah, it, I mean, we can talk about that uh, yeah, yeah. too, because uh, um it was interesting uh, getting the pictures of that fair shooting um, aftermath because I was there to get goofy, sarcastic, fun pictures for D Magazine. Um, and when I saw what happened, something, you know, just automatically turns on in me. I, I realized, you know, shooting pictures, that's not what we want to run in D because uh, the, the D state fair photos of the day it's goofy it's fun it's sarcastic it's sweet sure. um <clears throat> so i take off my d badge i put on my morning news badge and i kick in the breaking news jason you know and i got some great shots hmm. and uh, we're obviously getting off track but uh, no i mean you know, it's, it's whatever yeah um, no i mean i was curious like i wonder about that myself because i have not been in a situation was, where yeah, something yeah I, I have up. i have friends who have um and um I've, I've always been so lucky at, at missing danger because uh, I, I shot for the Perot Museum for eight years. And um, one of the nights um, I was at the Perot and Coco came along and um, the kids were off somewhere else. So we didn't have to worry about anything. And um, we're leaving and we see uh, a protest go by. And I love shooting protests um, because I feel like it's something important to capture. Um, and so we're right there at, at the light and we're like, well, we go check out this, this protest and join in, um, or we can turn left and go home. And we looked at each other 
and we were about to say, let's go to the protest and light turns green. And we're like, oh, we just, we just did, you know, a couple hours at the pro. It was fun, but let's go home. Um, 15 minutes later, the shooting starts and that's when those, all those police officers oh, were killed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people, there's great people like Pete Friedman who were down there in it and, and got some great content. Um, you know, but, it, but that split second of the light turning when it did, you know, I, I, was able to not be in the middle of gunfire. Sure. And then the stuff that happened again with, with Pete Friedman, when he was on the bridge, you know, I almost went to that. Um, and then I would have probably gotten clubbed on the head by a police officer yeah. or whatever. Or your gear would have and, got uh, smashed up or this, whatever. this thing with the, uh, with the fair <clears throat> on my way to the fair, I stopped off, at, uh, to pick up something off a of Facebook marketplace. And normally you just go in and you pay the dude. And then you leave. But we started talking about something. Um, and I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I really should go to the fair. I really should go. But we keep talking. It's an enjoyable conversation. And like 20 minutes later, I'm like, okay, fine. I really need to wrap it up. Here's your money. See ya. Um, right as I'm pulling into the fair, like literally, like I'm going feet from from pulling into the, the media gate, all these cop cars light up and pull up. And one of them's a, a dart. Uh, officers. So I think, oh, somebody got stabbed on Dart or something. Right. I should probably say right now, Dart is a client of mine, and <laughs> they are safe and wonderful, and I, I do love Dart. Um, but we know anywhere something can happen. Yeah, right? when you see so, a, a yeah. Dart person running, it's not weird yeah. to think that's... Yeah, I get it. Uh, but so anyway, so since it's a Dart officer, and it's right there at, at the Dart stop, I'm like, oh, something happened at, at this station. So I pull in, they, they wave me in. And um, I see all these people. They're they're all like really hurrying as they're leaving, but it's it's a calm. And so I think to myself, well, uh, maybe something just let out. Maybe the concert uh, got out early, and everyone's tired. And and that's this is a mass exodus of people who all went to see one thing. Huh. Um, and then when I when I get into about the Chevy main stage, I hear people talk about shooting. So I'm like, hey, what's up? And as soon as they tell me, you know, we just heard shots over here and they just made an announcement that we're closing. Um, I kicked into, you know, Spot News and I, I went over and I saw the dude, you know, sitting there getting bandaged, bandaged up and they put him on a stretcher and all the cops are like waving everyone away. And um, I called my, my editors over at the news and I'm like, hey, this just happened. I don't think y'all even know about it. Right, um, right. I mean, because the content was literally just hitting, you know, like TikTok or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you kids use these days. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so they were like, yeah, perfect. Uh, send over the photos you got. We'll send over a, um, a reporter and we'll send over a staff photographer to, to try and cover more. Um, and the staff photographer and the writer, they couldn't get in. I, I literally, I think I got in like 30 seconds before they locked down gates. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, huh. a long, long drawn out story, I guess, could have been simplified by saying I was lucky enough to avoid, you know, being shot and arrived just in time to get the stuff that, you know, the public needed to see in the paper. Yeah. Uh, I gave exclusive pictures to D, too, because they wound up running a little feature yeah. as well. Not the it. photo of the day, yeah. but just an actual yeah, news exactly. story. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think about it, if I wouldn't have talked to that uh, guy... Uh, for the extra 15, 20 minutes, my route around the fair most likely would have put me 
exactly where the shooting started at uh, roughly exactly that time. Wow. And so, I mean, who knows? Maybe I would have been one of those bystanders that got hit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no clue. All yeah. I know is that I've been lucky enough to have little things happen each time that I haven't I haven't had people shoot at me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's fortunate. I know we're, we're, we did get off track, but it, it We did. Actually, what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about your history. Um, we were talking about when you... Oh, yeah, I just joined the, the, the morning news. That's yeah. right. So I go in, um, yeah, because I, I had said, you know, my book was kind of uh, performance heavy already. Um, but they were like, okay, we'll give you an assignment. We'll try, we'll try you out. If we like you, we'll give you a few more. On average, freelancers here at the Dallas Morning News... They last a year or two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, enjoy it. Use it to build up your portfolio. Um, and so I do that first assignment, December of 99. And um, that is a pretty long two years because, mm-hmm. what, it's uh, I'm coming up on 24 years. So I guess <laughs> right. I guess I, I did a little better than the average freelancer. because yeah. uh, You're still freelance. I'm still there. Yeah, so um, I prefer freelance. I always get asked, you know, well, wouldn't you like to be staff? Um, I was on staff at the morning news for a few months when Katrina happened, mm-hmm. and that wasn't necessarily about my ability. It was more about finances. They had so many staffers down in Houston, and so our assignments like quadrupled. Oh, and, and to pay yeah. freelance for assignment is really expensive. So I make more than a staffer does per assignment. Right. Um, but the the balance is is there's not as many assignments, you know. Um, so if they're giving you just a ton of assignments, uh, it makes more sense for them to bring you on as staff. Sure. Sure. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, this is a good chance to ask this cause I'm not sure how it works. So you're a freelancer, you have a media pat badge yeah. and then you just decide I'm going to go to the fair and see what I get. Um, well, I mean, with, with every, everything's a little different, you know, and I'm sure you've seen, you, you can get in some places easier with just your regular media badge. Some places you have to have it pre-set up, uh, with the fair every year, um, the Dallas morning news always had an allotment of media, uh, passes to get in. Oh, okay. Um, and then when I was shooting, cause I'd shoot, uh, like some of the concerts and stuff at the fair for them over the years. And then when quick came along, we applied for our own media pass. And so then I could go every day, um, without having to go in and borrow a pass. And then with D they get me my own pass. So I go in whenever I want. Uh, they call it the photo of the day. Technically I'm there like once every few days and I get enough stuff so they can run a photo. Gotcha. It's not a photo from today. It's a photo of the day. Makes sense. Um, so, you know, I'll go every few days and get shots and just the goofiness that you can see at the fair this year i was a lot more tender and sweet with my photos uh, but in years past just the sarcasm was was dripping off of photos because the the fair is it's beautiful that way Mm -hmm. you can go there and you can have a legitimate honest sincere enjoyment um almost like an aldi version of disney world Mm -hmm. you know yeah or a walmart version of it yeah yeah sometimes you're right (laughs) um but then there's so much just great goofy, silly, absurd stuff yeah. that, that makes the fair even more beautiful. Um, they had, they had like a superhero day and, um, so they've got all these people dressed up as superheroes. Um, and one of the dudes is like, uh, a Falcon. I, I, I don't know 
who he was who he was specifically, but he's he's one of the two or three kind of Falcon characters that there mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's so like obese, and he's got a hole right in the middle of his uniform on his stomach, and it just the the photo and him just standing there looking so unsuperheroish, but he's supposed to be here entertaining these kids. Um, it just it's a gorgeous photo. Yeah. Tim Tim Rogers with the magazine, he was like, Oh, I love that photo. <laughs> and I agree. I, I um I'll eventually do a retrospective of Ferris stuff and, and do like a gallery show and that one will, will be in the show because it's, it's a gorgeous photo. Yeah. Cool. So. Wow, yeah, you're right. We could probably talk for four hours because we haven't even <laughs> these stories yeah. are fascinating. Um so I guess yes. Yeah, let, let me let me tell you I I could probably do 20 minutes just on feces stories. I've seen everything. I've seen everything. <laughs> uh, that's not my thing, but no, okay, I, good I to agree. know. Just like, uh, I agree. Yeah. No, um, I'm trying to, I guess, go through it. You know, but we skipped ahead because you, you, you're saying you started when you got to Dallas Morning News. You already had a lot of show photos, the concert photos. Yeah, so um, it, I, I've had such an interesting way into photography. Um because I, I also, I assisted commercial photographers. I, I worked as an assistant at uh, Neiman's and Horchow and Penny's and all the other stuff that people can here in town, mm-hmm. <clears throat> except for maybe Fossil. Um, and so I had a really strong commercial lighting and commercial composition um, kind of sensibility because of that. And, uh, but I also, all, I absolutely adored uh, the local music scene. When I turned 18 and, and my friend John and I, uh, we'd been friends since uh, kindergarten. Uh, we moved in together in this rat hole of an apartment uh, here in Dallas. And, you know, two bored 18-year-olds, we started going down to Lower Greenville and we started going down to um, uh, Deep Ellum and, and and getting to see the scene that way mm-hmm. and just having it open your eyes and having it kind of explode your, your brain, uh, you know, by chance, I'd never heard of him before. Um, we were too poor uh, to afford cover for places, so a lot of times we just walk around outside. And one one time at two a.m., uh, trees shuts down, kicks everybody out. Then they open the doors and say, "Everyone's allowed in free. It's after two, so you don't have to worry if you're underage." Um, and Tripping Daisy took the stage, hmm. and. That's the first time I, in 93, that I had ever seen, you know, Tripping Daisy perform. And it was, oh, it was, it was so gorgeous and magical. And they, they'd run these uh, two or three 16 millimeter film projectors um, and have bubbles and, and all, also, I mean, a lot of stuff that, that you kind of get from the spree now, but mm-hmm. um, so much more DIY back then. Right. It was, and on that that little tree stage, um, yeah, it, that that's what made me fall in love with local music. I, I loved music forever, um, right? But that's what made me realize there's actually local music here that's just as amazing as all the stuff I've been adoring on the Edge and Eagle and you know. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people. That's. I think I had a big turnaround because I used to play in bands in California. Yeah, I listened and, to your your thing, and you you got a pretty good story. Huh. I, I think I'm going to interview you uh, for <laughs> for my new show sometime. All right, I mean that'd be cool. Um, just uh, yeah, uh, um, 
it was just it was it's easy to shoot bands in a way because they're just kind of like let you like they're just they want they want that you know it's like no one's gonna say no until they're bigger i guess yeah their tour managers will say no absolutely (laughs) i i i wanted to see uh weezer so bad i i fell in love with uh pinkerton uh my friend uh michael at the college paper um he was he was big into all the like pavement and all this other stuff and um so he he introduced me to a lot of the more alternative music um and so i fell in love with pinkerton because of him and this was before the green album came out and so it was that big giant kind of curtains drawn hiatus for weezer nobody had seen him for a while and they started doing these tiny little clubs um, because they were getting ready to release the Green Album. <clears throat> and so um, I couldn't get set up for it. And the Harder Beat editor, uh, Linda, she was like, you know, well, a lot of the shows that, that we can't get set up through management, a lot of times we can just go up the day of and talk to the tour manager and get set up. So why don't you try that? So I go up there and I start talking to the tour manager and he just, he starts railing at me and he, it's okay if we curse yeah, yeah, on yeah. here, okay? Because I'm going to curse to yeah. to quote him. Um, I try my best not to curse. Um, and he's like, well, you told all you fucking media, there's nobody allowed, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, <laughs> you shitbags get and all that. And just, <laughs> right. just uh, and uh, like aggressive, like, um, uh, like Henry Rollins on stage, like, you know, <laughs> going to tear your throat out aggressive. Oh. Um, and so I'm sitting here like, okay, well, obviously I'm not going to get to see that. And, you know, by that same time, I, I see this, this little sheepish dude walk, you know, right, right between us. And it, it, it was Rivers uh, going to get his, his mail for the day. Um, and I just remember thinking, you know, this, this would have been a great show to shoot. I, of course, I shot Weezer, you know, numerous times after that. Sure. Um, but I, I don't even know how I got on that story. What, what were we talking about? Oh. There's going to be a lot of this in <laughs> yeah, this interview. Yeah, I don't know. What? I'm not we, sure. We started about talking that. about something and took a left and then a right. And now Just we're about right. bands that, um, <clears throat> oh yeah, because you were saying that managers won't let you shoot. Oh yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, but then at the same time, um, there's been manager, tour managers who are great because I remember uh, Dallas Morning News forever. They had a policy of not signing um, uh, contracts. And so um, we were able to get out of a lot of contracts that smaller publications still had to sign. Or at the very least, the uh, uh, management company would let us cross out the few things that allowed us to use the photo. I say us in, in a very general sense. I'm mm-hmm. not the Dallas Morning News. Mm-hmm. But um, you're talking about I'm the photo releases. Them. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> so they'd let them cross out some of the stuff so that if uh, the morning news wanted to run a preview the next time the person came through, they, they could pull from their stuff instead of pulling a generic uh, AP photo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, I got a lot of flexibility to shoot bands that other people didn't and have um, access to those photos that some people don't because those contracts can be pretty restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there was one, it was Gavin DeGraw at Nokia, and we get up there and somehow there was miscommunication and they were like, no, you got to sign. No, you got to sign. Luckily, you know, the, the people, I, I shot so many shows that I knew everybody. And I think Justin Press uh, was up there in charge at the time. And uh, so he's like, well, I tell you what, uh, let me take you back and you can ask the tour manager because it sounds like, you know, you're supposed to have this straightened out. So he walks me back there. 
talked to the tour manager for a second. He's like, well, you know what? I get it. We'll go ahead and let you shoot this show without the contract. So some tour managers are really cool sure. and they understand, you know yeah. I mean? Who, who wouldn't want their artists to be, you know, in, in the next issue of the Dallas Morning News? It's a huge paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But some of them uh, don't care. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one, the best thing about the observer for me is there's sometimes where like staying, I got approved within like minutes because I think they're like, whoever's shooting for the observer is approved, you know? Yeah. And like, so there's certain things that you just don't get a yes unless you're with well, and, and the cool papers. thing about that, too, is these days, I forget who I was listening to, um, but they were talking about how the media landscape has changed and how there's so many less people covering stuff now. Mm -hmm. So now now I think tour managers and, and the marketing uh, machine is taking note that the, the people who still want to cover us, we need we need to let them cover us. Yeah, and I've been it's been cool because I get a lot of like publicists asking me to cover stuff and now that i have my publication i can send other people to do it so it's yeah it's yeah. interesting um, and, i mean at the same time there's something with having a name behind you you know because i mean when, when i was shooting stuff for harder beats there you know it was a little little harder to get every show that you wanted but sure. you know when i shot uh green day for spin magazine they were like okay all the other photographers leave but uh, we know you're with Spin, and Spin asked for these couple extra shows, so we're going to give you an extra three or four songs. Nice. You yeah, know, so, yeah. I mean, there's when you're shooting for Spin or, um, you know, when you've got the name Rolling Stone behind you or whatever, it, it helps. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, Observer is the biggest name I have, and sometimes I feel really cool <laughs> that I'm like, yeah, like yeah. who are you shooting for? I'm like, Observer. Like, oh, yeah, but wow. the Observer is cool. I, yeah. I, I, so after Quick went away in 2011, um, I had a lot of interest and so the uh the guide section at dallas morning news they were like well we we want to do kind of what quick was doing so let's work with you for some covers um the observer came in and they were like hey you know we love what you're doing so i, I wound up doing like um covers for the observer for a few years you ever do central track or no I did uh, one or two things for Central Track with with Pete. I, I love Pete. He's a great guy. Oh yeah, um, he was a fun interview. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was neat too because I got to I got to learn more about Pete. That you know, from my interaction with him, um, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, with Pete, I've always I've always known as a super smart, super sarcastic, really great writer, and a guy who you know you gave him room in the pit because he was trying his darndest. Um, to take good pictures. I mean, he's, he's a good photographer now. Yeah. I, I got a f lot of flack for this years ago. Uh, I did, um, it was, um, like a Q and a session, uh, Pete for central track had like four or five of us photographers up there on stage. And he asked some questions that the audience asked, asked some questions. And, um, a couple of the questions, uh, one of them was, um, you know, what's, what's the last show that you saw? And everyone's like, oh, I went and saw this. I said, I said, well, last show I saw was the one that I shot. I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't pay to get into shows. Um, people either pay me to get into shows or I kind of trade out. Um, and like a few of the like hardcore, like we have to support this scene people mm -hmm. like they gasp and, you know, I, I heard them kind of trashing that afterwards, but it's a fact of life. You know, uh, I support I support local music and the local scene in so many myriad ways. Uh -huh. So maybe I don't go and spend 20 bucks 
to get into a show. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the million things that I do to support, um, you know, the the prints that I've given away to uh, like uh, Rhett's uh, charity every year, the, uh, you know, the pictures that I've given some of the bands that maybe can't afford a, a better photographer at the time. Sure. Um, I mean, I... I support the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. I, it's, I don't feel bad at all asking to get into shows because it's like what you're doing is you're, you're, you're doing more than someone buying a ticket in a lot of ways. You're yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Light. I mean, you're making it, it look exciting and people want to go see it. You know, that FOMO is real. And when they, people see a show, they're like, I was going to go to that, see your photo or oh, I'm going to go next time. And they yeah, do. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it, Anyways, and I don't remember what that question was about. Somehow I got off. Again. Oh, we were just talking about Central Track. We're just oh, that yeah. We're Thank you, around. thank you. That's yeah. exactly. Let's loop back around. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I probably got all the listeners dizzy already. Um, I, well, I'm just so, impressed that I can remember anything that you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with with Pete and Central Track, um, uh, I traded out a couple of times. There were some things that I wanted, to, or actually, my wife. Uh, she really liked Tricky because she's big into the kind of trip hop and stuff, and Massive Attack and all all that that kind of stuff. And so she was like, "Well, I want to go to that." And I was like, "Well, um, I guess let me call Pete and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll set us up uh, for that." And so I shot and reviewed the show, and she got to enjoy it, and it was it was a great show. Um, uh, so to answer your question. <laughs> Yes, I've done some stuff. I've done I've done a couple of things for Central Track. Yes, that's funny. Here's a hard one, or maybe it's not, but I would think it would be a hard one. Do you have like a show that stands out that you shot either because it was amazing or because it was awful or both? Both? I don't know. Oh. All right. So um, yeah, I mean, I've done this for so long. You got to figure my my the first bands that I shot because I I remember when I was a teenager going with my dad. We were we were big into uh, cars, and he was in the. Uh, classic Chevy club and had a 55 Chevy. And, um, I mean, my, my three loves give or take are, uh, photography, music and cars, or I guess maybe four, cause you can add in cookies slash donuts. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so my, my first concert I remember seeing was at like a K love event that they had a lot of classic cars at too. So we were there and I think one of the monkeys was performing. Huh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting to see, you know, all this stuff that I listen to on the radio, on cassettes. Um, you know, is, is there actually live in the flesh? Yeah. And um, I'm, I may have even taken like my disc camera or whatever and taken like one photo. I don't know. It's, it's lost to history. Um, but uh, see, I've already lost what we were talking about. <laughs> you, uh, you were going, there was one of the monkeys played at this show with your dad. Like, Yeah, how, how did we get on this? Oh, like your, 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 most, your most. Oh, yes, memorable. yes, most. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so um, so when I first discovered Tripping Daisy, which that show uh, in 93 at 2 a.m. Will, will never leave my mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what sparked me wanting to see all this live stuff. And so uh, there was where the single white is now. It used to be called the Winedale Tavern. My friend John and I would go there every week, and we'd see uh, people like Josh Allen and the Carsons and, and these you know these little bands in this tight little pack space perform. And I started to fall in love with that. And um, then going to Clearview and seeing you know uh, people like uh, like super drag uh come through town oh, i love super drag. oh yeah i, I love them Big too fan of them. i got some interesting stories about them too but huh. um we'll save that for another day <laughs> um and then like uh chomsky would play there and and um uh god just 
uh, I, I saw so many shows at Clearview. Um, but so I started just seeing all these shows and, and, and all of them, um, you know, seeing Tripping Daisy play Christmas night and just the chill in the air before and after. And um, Tripping Daisy is always going to be my my biggest thing. Okay. Um, I've got this this dumb little phrase, my, my soul animal. It's a cross between soul brother and spirit animal. <laughs> and the stuff that, that happened on stage with Tripping Daisy, I felt that soul brother connection and seeing, seeing the, the magic and the sparkle just shooting off of everything. Mm. I mean, that was my spirit animal. Wow. So like Tripping Daisy is my soul animal. Um, but anyways, uh, so, you know, I, I shot... Um, I got to shoot um, Willie Nelson numerous times and getting to meet him backstage and oh, wow. and uh, uh, got to shoot uh, the White Stripes. It, their, their album had just hit uh, that they came became famous from, but it it was just building that momentum. So it was a few months before they just absolutely exploded. So they played Trees huh. and and being there for that show um, was really magical because because Jack really wanted it you could see he he was absolutely in love with what was happening there the back and forth hmm. between him and, and the audience um wow that would have been cool and uh yeah getting to be the only photographer at the Meyerson to shoot yo-yo ma um getting uh to shoot pantera uh they played the fair park coliseum in like 2001 and uh, the the news they'd send me to to a lot of shows and a lot of performances, a lot of operas because they knew that's what I loved. And and from a news aspect, that's kind of low on the totem pole. Sure, you know, a lot sure. of those guys, you know, they went to Iraq, they went to the Olympics, you know, and yeah. and, and unless it's a band that they were absolutely in love with, they it it's you know it's not something they're concerned about. You're not going to get a Pulitzer by shooting in sync. Right. I shot in sync and it was fun, but. I don't have a Pulitzer from it. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, that's a tragedy, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So so I, I get Pantera and I, I get there, and the place, I mean the the that Coliseum is it's it's a decent sized Coliseum, you know it's it's got a full like rodeo size court and, and layers of seats, and that place is full like so full, like when you open one of those uh, cans and all the all the springy worms shoot out the uh -huh. snakes that's how full this place was <laughs> i was afraid for them to open the door because people were just going to come shooting out oh wow um and so we get we get in there and the band's just about to take the stage and the, the crowd's just going wild and, and you got you know women on top of people's shoulders um and people throwing things and this one dude in the middle of the crowd in this hot packed shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder coliseum takes off his shirt lights it on fire and starts swinging it around in the air. Oh. And, um, I mean, just stuff like that. You, you don't, you don't forget. Yeah. I've got, I've got so many shows that I could be like this little thing here was magical. That was magical. Um, cause I've, I've seen a lot. Yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. How did you, how did you kind of connect? I mean, that's obvious, I guess maybe after you, well, whatever. That's why what I'm asking you. Like, uh, how did you connect with old 97s? How did you connect with the, like, just from shooting them all the time? You know? Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> that's the key to having a successful career is to do what you do well. It doesn't have to be amazing or the best. Do what you do well 
and meet a lot of people mm-hmm. um, because I mean every every gig I've got except for except for one is all because I was referred or somebody I know um, and with the old 97s you know I, I was with somebody for 10 years and and she loved them and our little group of friends loved them and so I shot them a number of times and then um, in 2004 I, I went and did a, a portrait of them maybe for harder beat I can't remember because I think I think I was still with harder beat for a while I was doing Morning News and Harder Beat. I didn't give it up because Harder Beat, even though it was a small little publication, I could go and ask, can I do this show? Right. So it, it gave me a lot of flexibility. With the Morning News, um, they tell you. Right. You know. Sure, sure. Um, and I, I mean, even with the Morning News, if I knew something coming up, uh, was coming up, I'd tell the editor, say this is coming up, I'd love to shoot this. Um, so, I mean, there was some flexibility. Mm-hmm. But, like, there were a couple bands that I wanted to shoot that senior photographers were like, you know, this, this is my, this is my dream band. Um, and so they got it and that's yeah, fine. Sure. Um, but so anyways, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know anymore. Let's, we could keep moving forward. I mean, uh, I, you know, you, you answered it. We, we were talking, oh no, you didn't answer it. I was asking about old 97. Yes. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so anyway, so I, I shoot, uh, I shoot a portrait of them and, um, I had gotten to know uh, Salim uh, and shot some stuff for him uh, that ran in the morning news mm-hmm. and just started kind of becoming friends with some people. Um, and then in 2000, in 2009, Salim called and he was like, hey, you know, I, I told Rhett, I think we should use you for his next album. Um, it was on a smaller label and he's, he's got a lot of really famous photographer friends. I think, I think he might know uh, Danny Clinch and, and, his his list is long. I mean, because you know he's he's been around the world. Yeah. Um. And, and so, you know, Rhett and I were talking. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I was tempted to use uh, this person, but I didn't want to ask him to do a favor because the the label doesn't have the budget that you know the big label uh, for my previous albums did. Um. So I guess I'm I'm kind of the the Aldi version but yeah but so I so I got so so I got chosen for that and, and then Rhett and I uh I mean we're casual friends you know it's not like I'm sure. going to his Thanksgiving yeah. or whatever yeah um but you know I got to know him better and then um I started working on his uh his charity show for cystic fibrosis because I've got uh nephews that have CF um and so I got to know him and his brother through that uh I, I handled PR for, for the shows for a few years mm. um, and then shot them. Uh, and, and you just kind of develop friendships with people. And um, uh, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, honestly, all the guys in the band are great. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've gotten to know Ken a lot more over the last few years. I was always told Ken doesn't like talking about uh, old 97s. Huh. So... Um, Ken's big into sports. I'm not big into sports. I like talking about old 97s. What do we have to talk about? So right. I never really talked to him much. Sure. And then uh, a few years back, we started talking, <laughs> and, and he's big into like uh, uh, like board games, and uh, we realize we have a lot more common ground. Hmm. And so um, now I'm really comfortable talking to Ken. And uh, Philip's a great guy. Um, Murray's not here in Dallas, so I I don't really talk to him a ton. Sure. Um, but I, I think, I think there's a mutual respect between me and them 
because we both know that we're masters of our craft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, they're one of my favorites too. I've shot them a few times. Yeah, they're they're one of the few bands I, I normally don't have to ask for work. You know, work comes and finds me. Right. Um, but they're one of the few ones that I was. I told Ken recently. I was like, you know, I know you're working on the next album. You know, why don't you bring me out and, and let me shoot? And he he said, well, you know, your name was one of the ones that came up, but we're stuck up here uh, doing this. And I think they were like in. Uh, Portland or Seattle or somewhere up there. Mm. Um, and we've got a guy up here that, that we know. So it just, it made sense. But, um, yeah, yeah. I hear uh, but otherwise, I mean, all the, all the Bowling for Soup, uh, albums that I did, you know, that kind of fell in my lap. It, it was, I guess I'm the most successful, unsuccessful person you'll meet because mm. I, I've had a lot of really cool things happen and I'm, I'm not really out there beaten down doors for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess I just kind of lucked into it. Yeah, I know. I mean, and then, I mean, I, cause I'm already, I've been doing it long enough that I experience. It's like, it's just the more good work you do, the more people are just when, like, cause people don't need photographers all the time, but when they do, yeah, they do remember. And they, well, and they ask their friend, Hey, I know, I know that you have worked with photographers, you know, who, sure. who do you recommend? And then because you've had that rapport built up and they respect what you do, you get, you know, recommended. I've got a Facebook friend uh, that recommended me to do corporate headshots for a company. I go in, go out. It took me, you know, half an hour to set up and break down, half an hour to shoot. So I'm there for an hour. I bill them fifteen hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's because a friend referred me. They didn't. They didn't find me in the phone book. Oh yeah. You know, no. it's all about it's all about referrals. No, it's what you said earlier too. It's like. Uh... I mean, for me, like when I really got into it, I was shooting at Deep Elmar Company every single night and I met so many people and that's kind of like, that's where it all came from is meeting the people. I mean, shooting, you need to get good, but it's the relationships. Yeah. They're not going to refer you if you suck. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're not going to meet anybody if you're home, you know, you have to be out doing it. Um, That's, that's the biggest thing. That's why you've seen a little more activity from me over the last couple of years. Um, Because I was, I was huge in the scene I mean, my name started to get noticed. So I started, I guess we can backtrack. I, I started shooting the the scene in the mid-90s. I told you about through college and this and that. But I also, this was back before smartphones and when the internet was really trying to figure out what the internet was. And there was no content on the internet. And there, there was me and like a couple other people here in Dallas who were covering stuff and putting it on the internet. And I had just some... Um, GeoCities page, mm. but you know it was filled with stuff from all these local bands, and um, yeah, you have so much out on the internet right now. I mean, like I think I found one of your old, maybe it's a newer website that has been up to, or older website, but it had like archives from '09 and like just countless archives of photos. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't keep up with my my website. My current one that I started to build is is like half done. It's been sitting like that for over a year. Because I don't, I don't have to sell myself. Yeah, People, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, whatever is out there, the hodgepodge is out there. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can find all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, um, I try my best not to Google myself too often. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's oh, a lot yeah. of photos out there. And we were talking before too. It took me a minute because I kept spelling your name with a C and not with a, just with a K. And yeah, that, that's the tricky part is uh, spelling it J A N I K because there's there's a, a a faction that spells it the same, but they pronounce it Yannick. There's uh, 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 
there's some out there that it's spelled with two N's. There's some that are spelled I-C-K. Um, but the same thing, the uniqueness of the name and me getting on the, on the internet early, um, you know, I, I was able to, you know, grab like uh, jasonjanik.com and Janik Photo and stuff because, you know, there's that, that there's, there's one dude like in North Carolina or something named Jason Janik that, that is a musician and there's been a few more Janics pop up over the years as it, as you know things just grew. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think I, I I was at the right place at the right time because the late '90s was still all film. Digital really didn't hit big until you know the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I got I got my first digital camera in 2004, and I was kind of on the early-ish side hmm. of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I had access to film scanners. I had access to film and all that through college, and I had access to the internet. And so I was putting up stuff that that a lot of people just wouldn't put up. Oh yeah, no, I mean I remember back in the early days of the internet where it would take forever to just for normal people to load a photo. Or I remember the first time I was we did a live stream or something, and it was like so cutting edge, and it just it didn't really work. You know, it was just. So it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, you've been around, but the, you're, the, you're like a grandfather for the uh, internet age in a way. Well, and the beautiful thing about it, it again, it's, it's this kind of looking into things is, um, Tripping Daisy was always so cutting edge. Um, they had, they had a gorgeous, beautiful, big website when nobody did. And, um, I had, I had printed off some black and whites, uh, right before the end of this, uh, winter semester. Um, and I was like, I'm going to mail these to Tripping Daisy. And so I mailed them to them. And uh, a little while later, I get uh, an email from uh, Julie, Tim's wife. And she's like, hey, we actually have a show coming up. You know, would you mind shooting it for us? Wow. Yeah. And so I shot it for them. They, they mailed me a check for 150 bucks to shoot it. And I always think if I didn't need the money so bad back then, I would have loved to have just kept that check. Yeah. And that was my first like truly official, I'm a, a music photographer now type of thing and just framed it. Um, uh, but, but their website was, was so much more than everybody else back then that I eventually kind of became their, their website photographer. Mm. Uh, and so all, all the shows that came through town, I didn't travel out of uh, North Texas. You know, I went to Fort Worth and Denton and stuff to, to shoot them. Sure. Um, you know, but I wound up shooting, you know, dozens of shows for their website and then people, you know, back then, you know, Tripping Daisy was was everything for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, then people get to know you because of that. And then they start seeing your name in the morning news or they love Harder Beat. I, it was it's funny because it, as small as Harder Beat was, I'd be walking in some random place and, uh, you know, we had our little pictures in there and people would come up to me and I'd be like, oh, you're Jason. I, I love, I pick up the thing every, every month. And, uh, huh. it just, it's so weird. And, and then, and then by the time quick came around and my name was on everything and I had shot, you know, bowling for soup covers and, um, what it, it had gotten to a point to where almost any, any place that was associated with, with nightlife or entertainment or whatever I'd walk into and there'd be someone there who knew me that I didn't know. Hmm. And so I got a taste of what, you know, real stars get and it, it kind of freaked me out. Um, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. So it's a really weird thing to have people come up to you and talk about how much they, they adore you and you have no clue who they are. 
tell me about your DJ stuff. I see that you do DJ. Yeah. Gigs. So uh, and this. So let's backtrack again and do a sort of weird zigzag thing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So years ago when I did that central track thing and we had the photographers up on stage and uh, Pete was asking some amazing questions. Um, and one of the questions he asked, he says, you know, well, what do you do for your day job? And everyone starts listing off whatever. And he gets to me and I, and I just kind of shrug my shoulders. I like, what, this is my day job. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it surprised me because, you know, I, I've been around all the morning news photographers who, I mean, that's their day job. Um, and I, and I've been around all the commercial photographers from when I used to do that and that was their job. And so, you know, that's when it really hit me, all these people that I love and adore, um, like you, you should, you should interview, uh, Joel Winburn at some point. Cause he, he was the house photographer, uh, at, at Starplex and, and, hmm. and this and that for years. Um, you know, eventually things change and, sure. um, but he's got some great stories. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, these people like Joel are sitting next to me and all my experiences with him are all this job, you know, and, and you don't stop to think, oh, well, you know, all these people and like Mike Brooks and, and everyone that was up on stage with me, oh, they, they do other things besides photography. Um, but I mean, photography has been my main thing since, uh, since like 98. Um, but I, I've got, I've got some, I guess you could call them side hustles. Mm-hmm. I, I'd hate to call them that because a side hustle doesn't that kind of infer that you actually make money off of it. It does. <laughs> um, you know, uh, people know me because I've, I've got uh, a little antique mall booth uh, devoted to music and records and CDs and cassettes and, and promo posters and all that over in Plano. Uh, and, uh, you know, by the time uh, the feds get their cut and, and all that, I might make like a hundred bucks a month off of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot of work to go out and find all that stuff. Sure. Uh, um, there, uh, <clears throat> and then a lot of people know me because, uh, I've got a hobby of rebuilding, uh, vintage audio. Oh. And so, you know, I've, a, a lot, a lot of the people in the scene, I've sold them their, their vintage gear or fixed it. But again, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I really made a ton of money off it. I mean, you can ask, uh, you can ask Chad Stockslinger, for example, I sold him uh, a receiver uh, and then I sold him some speakers, but I let him take like a year to pay me for the speakers. And then uh, I gave him a turntable. Uh, and then when the receiver went uh, bad and needed to get repaired, it was beyond my ability. So I paid a friend 165 bucks to repair it. And that was two years ago. And every year I'm like, you know, at some point, Chad, if you want to pay me, that's 165. That's fine. But, <laughs> right. you know, I'm, I'm sure if I added it up, all, all the, all the gear that I've sold, I've probably lost money more than make money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the side, uh, DJ, but it's, and that, that could be a whole nother offshoot story about how all the DJs that I've shot want to be photographers. And it seems like all the <laughs> photographers want to be DJs, but I figured, you know, I've got all this music I've got, uh, you know, I built up some pretty good gear, uh, from bartering and trading and, and buying all this vintage gear. So I figured I'd, I'd get into it and try it. And I, I book a few gigs here and there. It's a lot of fun. Um, I used to do something at twilight every once in a while. And um, funny thing is that the thing that stuck best in Deep Ellum was when I did a vintage jazz night because that just wasn't down there. Right. And like, you know, I'd get people come up to me and give me a fist bump and like, oh, I, I like that song or whatever. But then when I did the vintage jazz night, everyone was like, oh, we got to do this more. 
Hmm. Um, but then COVID hit, and so I stopped uh, stopped doing Twilight. Sure. Uh, you know, book a few little private gigs here and there. Um, it's 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 just it's like a side thing. Yeah. You know, and by the time that I bought new records, because I do all all vinyl with some CDs, I don't do a computer. Oh, okay. So that's my thing because I want it to be fun for me. Uh, right. And, and it's much more challenging that way. Um, but by the time that I bought, you know, more records and, and all this, uh, it's it's probably a break even thing. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And your your new podcast is premiering tomorrow on Deep Elm Radio. Yeah, tomorrow or probably well, weeks uh, yeah, ago. Yeah, weeks ago. By the time we hear this <laughs> to, today, uh, today this rainy day, it's it's uh, premiering today at seven. Oh, today. Uh, yes. So for y'all who missed it, um, I'll eventually when I get a few in a, a, enough of them uh, together. I'll probably offer it out there in, in true streaming podcast form. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now I've started uh, NTXMF, North Texas Music Fanatics for Deep Ellum Radio. Yeah, I did want to talk to you. Um, something I've noticed because I follow you, um, I see your stuff a lot uh, on Facebook, especially. Um, I like how you kind of always tell your story about that moment that you took the photo. I think that's cool because it's like I... I don't really do that as much. And it's just, I'm sorry. I'm like, Oh, that's, hmm. You know. Yeah. I, I curate my stuff for different platforms and Facebook is friends. I've, I've got some people who are, who are very distant, casual friends, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm not going to friend random strangers on there. So the, the way that I tell my stories on Facebook are a little more behind the scenes. The stuff that I put up on Instagram is a little more polished, but trying my best to say, you know, here's an inside track. Um, and then I used to do a blog when I cared about my website um, and that that would be very involved. Um, but I mean, so much of my stuff, you know, it gets published here and there that uh, I have to make sure that the full story is just seen in the photo itself because I don't have, I don't have the the freedom to do like a. You remember when they were doing the what was it like the people of New York or faces of New York and, mm -hmm. and it, on Instagram it was a picture and there was like a big long drawn out like two or three paragraphs. Sure. I don't I don't have the liberty to do that because yeah. you know the client's going to take the photo and run from there. Absolutely. So um, I, I try to use uh, different different venues to express some stuff, uh, in, in ways that I normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I guess it's just something you enjoy sharing the work because like you were saying, like you're, it's not like you're hurting for work. You're not posting because I need you to see the photo to give me work. I mean, it happens and it's nice, I'm sure, but it's like, you're, it's not like a need for you. Um, yeah, I I'd say, you know, I, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to exclude the fact that I understand that that's going to happen. Like, like I know there's an underlying, the more people see my pictures in my name, the more work I'm going to get from it. But I'm not like some of, some of the photographers who are green and new and just scraping and scratching. And, mm -hmm. and I've just, I've got to get that gig so that I can, you know, become something. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think that's why a lot of people appreciate seeing the stuff that I put out because I, I don't, I don't have to seem so thirsty. Yeah. It's a, it's a difference and it's like very palpable, palpable. And, uh, I appreciate it cause I'm older too. And I'm not like, I feel like I've got to a point where I don't have to like <laughs> hire me like, Hey, who wants to shoot today? Yeah. You know, I, and stuff. there's nothing wrong with being at that stage. We all had to start yeah, there. I mean, yeah. there was a point where I had no clients, you know, I, I remember my, my very first, uh, band 
gig that I did. Uh, it was a Christian metal band, <laughs> and they wanted pictures because they were putting out a new album. And I remember being so excited and so anxious, and I didn't I didn't use my business sense because of it. And I gave them the photos before they paid me, and they never paid me. Mm. So my very first gig was was a non-pay. Yeah. And so you know, there, there's something about about being so anxious and excited um, at that point. And I don't want to seem arrogant. I just want to seem matter of fact. You yeah. know, once you've been doing it for 30 years, you're going to reach a point where you can you can do it in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting too because you kind of you were kind of doing it before like Facebook and social media was what it is now. You know. Yeah, and I'm even back then, even when it was there was nothing on on the internet, and I just had a bunch of pictures up on you know the GeoCities thing. I think I called it Dallas Music, blah blah crap crap. I right, don't know. right. Um, you know, e- even then, I, I was putting stuff up for for the love and joy of what I had inside for music. I wanted other people to see it, mm-hmm. um, but the internet was so new then that you didn't know who was going to see it, right? You know, and right. you well, certainly couldn't see it, it on on your uh, in your hand on your phone. When you're sitting there waiting for your latte, you had to sit down in front of a computer yeah, and hear the up. screeching noise for your <laughs> dial-up. Yeah, right. Oh man. So you know, I mean, even even then, I was just doing it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, but then when you discover and you have those people first come up to you, you're like, oh, I I saw that you shot that of me, and that is so amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just, it's like a, a back and forth that builds, and and you just get stronger and better and faster and. Yeah. And I also feel like we're living in this age, like this internet age is an age of photography in a lot of ways, or video, but you can argue either one, but it's just, you know, at first I think the iPhones came out and a lot of photographers were, photographers were upset because they're like, oh, they're taking my business. But I think because of iPhones and everyone having a phone, people are like, oh, I know the difference between a good and a bad photo, and now I want to see good photos. I, I feel like that has benefited us a lot, you know? Yeah, Um I mean, I've, I've thought about this and I've thought of, uh, of a way to do a whole episode on the philosophy behind art and the philosophy behind photography, because there's so much content out there at this point mm-hmm. that even if your stuff goes viral, it, it eventually, metaphorically, is, is lost to space. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough, uh, you may not remember the story of the, the pregnant woman who got the ticket uh, for being in HOV lane. I do, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the story... It wasn't a story at the time. The morning news just happened to find out about it. And so I go in and I, I take a portrait of her. And um, the story just blows up and goes all around the world. Yeah. I went up selling it, uh, the pictures to, uh, you know, places in Sweden and Germany and, and the New York Times and just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it it was just so... In, and it, and I watch TMZ because I'm I'm that way. <laughs> my my wife hates it, but uh, you know everybody's got their vice, right? Sure. Um, and to see my photo pop up on TMZ, wow! You know, yeah. Uh, just the the way things blow up today, and then they and then they disappear. Um, you can't you can't shoot the way you used to shoot. You can't care about who's looking at it. You can't care about it making some sort of name for yourself. I mean, because even, even if you're Ansel Adams, you're dead now. Your <laughs> images, 
sure they they still you know reach people and move people but um when you really get deep down philosophical about it what what does it mean mm-hmm. you you have to only focus on i'm taking this picture now and i'm going to communicate something inside me that i want to get from inside of me to outside of me and from there on it's just out in the wind mm-hmm. And, and you can't worry about it anymore. You can't, you can't think I've, I've got to make this picture, you know, be seen by tons of people. You can't, maybe, maybe I've got, I'm, a, I'm afforded the chance to feel that way because my stuff has been seen all around the world. I've been published in Rolling Stone. I did, you know, a number of features in Spin Magazine back when it used to be a real thing you could hold. Um, I've, I've been in all the major papers. Um, so maybe, maybe this is one of those situations where I'm out of touch from the average photographer. Hmm. And so I, I'm afforded to think this way. Um, because if I was just starting out, I'd be like, that that dude that I'm listening to is a moron. I I want my stuff to be seen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that I'm not hearing you say I don't want my stuff to be seen. I think I'm hearing more about like you can't think one photo is gonna make your career. Well, and even even more than that, you you can't feel bad for the stuff that that wasn't seen. You right. you have to shoot something for you. You have to express because I, as much as I'm sitting here talking and rambling, I'm, I'm horrible at expressing myself uh, verbally. Um, I, I am decently eloquent when I sit down and write. I, I had uh, a partner that as, as we were ending things, and she was like, why is all this stuff that you're telling me in text so beautiful? Hmm. And when we're face-to-face, none of that is there. Hmm. And uh, I, think, I think what it is is I have to express myself through my photo and I have to give whatever whatever communication I want from inside of me out through that photo or out through the through you know whatever review or whatever it is that I'm writing um, and then I've ex- I've expressed myself and it's done and I let it go and it reaches whatever or whoever or nobody that wants to be on the other side of that communication or, or that shared emotion. Um, and that's my, that's, that's why I said I, I could get into the philosophy of this and just talk and talk because you have to get to a point where you're able to just let it go mm-hmm. and let the photo be its own entire thing. Because uh, wrapping back to what we were originally talking about, it's, it's ultimately that there's so much content out there. Um, it's a tidal wave that will absolutely smash and destroy you that you can't worry about trying to be a little boat or a little surfboard trying to get to the top of that wave. You just have to do what you do mm. and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this makes me, gives me maybe the last question of this interview is what, what's left as a photographer for you? What, what do you want to accomplish that you haven't yet? Well, <clears throat> I think, I think as a photographer, like I said, you know, it's, it's about communicating and I'm going to want to communicate and share, uh, until I cannot communicate and share. And I have 10 or 20 years worth of wonderful, you know, um, fair photos. I'll put together a gallery show at some point. I've got a project that I'm trying to keep under wraps until I get it going, but it'll be for 2024 Mm -hmm. that I shoot it 
and it will come out in 2025. Um, now that my kids are old enough, I, so <clears throat> when in the, in the 2000s, um, things were set up really well to where I could, I could be a full-time dad and then I could go out at night when my wife came home and, uh, shoot for uh, quick in the news and, and all that. Um, and so it, it was, it was a real good balance. And so I was out a ton. And then when we divorced and we split the kids right down the middle. So, uh, you know, I had them half the week, she had them half the week. Uh, and all of a sudden half the week, I'm a stay at home, you know, single dad. And so I completely kind of changed the way I was. And at that same time, quick ended and all, so all this change is happening. Hmm. And I, I stopped instead of being at, at shows and nightlife, uh, maybe like four times a week, maybe three, three and a half. Um, I mean, quick had me out a lot. Um, you know, now I'm going to maybe one show every two weeks, mm. uh, maybe even one show a month. And um, so I got I got to a point because I, I love my boys. And I, I think they'll as as they become full adults and have kids of their own, they'll they'll realize that I'm absolutely proud and in love with the sacrifices that I made from 2011 to to now for them. Um, but now that they're old enough and, and driving and doing their own things and they've got, you know, little jobs and all this other stuff that I barely see them or, uh, you know, my my wife Coco has her two kids and, you know, they're the same age. So they're barely at home. It's given me so much more freedom mm -hmm. that uh, these last, especially the last year or so, um, I said, I'm going to go back to what I was doing and I'm just going to go out there again and just shoot a lot of content. And so the stuff with like the deep LM 100 project, mm -hmm. you know, I, I shot stuff for their album. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I did a thing. It was ER nurses week, uh, recently. And so I, I went up there for a couple of days and I just shot all the people in the ER department hmm. and, um, then provided them with a, a, a thank you, uh, through photos. And um, I've got, you know, obviously the fair every year. I've got a project that I'm putting together uh, with a local writer on the North Texas sumo uh, scene. There's a sumo scene here? Exactly. That's what was so beautiful about oh. it. When I found out, I was like, I, I'm all of a sudden afforded this free time to do like I used to do and be out everywhere. And um, I've had friends who have always done stuff on spec on a, and like uh, Dylan, Holland, Dylan Hollingsworth, you know him? Um, know the name. Yeah. yeah. So he's shot for a lot of great publications, but, and he may still do this, but he started out shooting projects he wanted and then shopping them to people versus I've always had people come to me. So I'm, I'm putting together this sumo project and I'm going to shop it around, maybe see if the observer wants to run it or I've got connections at the East, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm doing now is I'm going out and doing what I used to do pre-kids um, and just shooting like hell. Wow. Yeah. So basically your bucket list is just to keep doing what you're doing in a way. Yeah, you because know? it's it's what I do. It's it's the same reason why I said I don't go to pay to see shows because I'm not going to I'm not going to give somebody 20 or whatever shows cost these days um, and sit there and and be the whole time Oh, I wish I could have shot that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would have shot that. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you earlier. I forgot. Like, can you, have you been to a show where you could just sit and enjoy it? Like, uh, not really. I, yeah. I will say this, though. So uh, Tripping Daisy played Homegrown uh, Fest. Uh, it was 
the, the first time that they played, um, I mean, really since West died. So it was, it was what, like 15 years or whatever. And so <clears throat> I shoot that. And because, you know, I'm so close to, to all the guys and I, they were really kind of loose in the pit anyways. They, they allowed a lot of people in there past the first three. Um, but so I'm shooting and shooting. And at some point I just kind of put my camera down and I'm like, you know, this might, might be the afterlife. I, I'm, I might've died <laughs> and just everything is, is electrically charging uh-huh. back into me as I go back into the, the ground and, um, yeah, so I mean, there, there's stuff that I'm able to set my camera down and just really, really appreciate. But usually, if I'm somewhere without my camera, I, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't, I can't sit back at a show and, and do it. Because, I mean, you know, um, Gavin, when he was at Bomb Factory, was really nice. Um, he, he knew that I liked craft work, and I was like, oh, nobody set me up for the show. Morning News isn't covering it. And, and so he was like, well, if, if you and Coco want tickets, uh, you know, or you want to get in, I'll put you on the list. And I, I thanked him. I was like, man, you're, you know, you're awesome, special, but uh, I'll pass. Because I knew I couldn't just go, yeah. as much as I love craft work, yeah. I couldn't just go there in the back and just sit. Yeah, um, no, I'm the same way. I mean, uh, now that me and my girlfriend are together, uh, and she likes to see shows, like we have gone to a few, and it's been tough for me sometimes. I mean, we did just go to Peter Gabriel, but I shot that, and then we bought tickets and watched, and that was one of the best shows that I, you know, that's the first time I think I got a pass, and I was like, oh, I'm bummed, I'm going to have to leave, and then, then we just bought tickets, but that's, yeah, that's yeah. rare for me, too. I know we didn't make it to the end. Well, we did, but we didn't make it to the last encore, you know? Cause I can't deal with that. Well, granted Spoiled. that too. I mean, you're, you're at a point where it's like, do I want to fight the traffic getting home? So exactly. There's, yeah. there's a reason people leave early. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, and also, you know, I had my bag checked in and I was, I'm always neurotic. Like, well, I need to get my bag tonight. Is it going to close? Like that stupid stuff. But Hey, um, it was, it was awesome. Um, why don't you, when, when does your show air on Deep Elm Radio? So right now we've got it scheduled for Tuesdays at seven and uh fridays at noon for the re-air okay um but it's it's the same thing just me talking with friends um you know i know so many people that i I can just sit down and and we chat like this and then i'll mix in a few songs related to what we're talking about and uh, i it's fun for me it's the same thing like i said with my photos where i'm just going to do something that is inside me that i want to get out and if people listen they listen if they don't they don't i yeah i've accomplished what i want to accomplish cool Cool. Jason, thanks again. We're, we'll keep an ear out for your show, and obviously your photos are everywhere, so we'll be seeing them everywhere we go. So Sounds like fun. All right, thanks. Thanks. I'd really like to thank Jason Janik for being my guest. You can check out his podcast. You can check out his photos. His last name is spelled with a K-J-A-N-I-K, so that helps when you're looking for him. Theme song, Unstoppable by Celine Narala. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, follow all the good stuff, and share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.